All right, welcome to Solid Ground. My name is Chris Hall. If you don't know me, I served with Christian students for a number of years, and I'm glad to be back tonight with y'all. Um, I'm pumped that we're in the gospel. Isn't that what we're talking about all semester here with, uh, on, at Solid Ground with Christian students? Um, you know, in a world of fake news and in a world of bad news, we need some good news, don't we? And, and we get that when we come to God and access Him through His Word. The Bible has good news for us, and that's, that's why I love that we're talking about the gospel in just myriads of different ways from every different angle week by week. And this week, this week, our topic is the faith as the gospel. Say that. Okay, I, I mean, of course, I can't hear you, but the faith as the gospel. And, and our points... Our points are going to be simple tonight, the faith as the gospel, what it is, why it's important, and what to do about it. What it is, why it's important, and what to do about it. And, and you may be wondering, where in the world are you even getting that, that title? Where's that coming from? What, what, what's that about the faith as the gospel? Such a peculiar title. Well, it comes from, it comes from the Word of God. It comes from Galatians 1.23. If you look either down in, uh, it's probably on some chat, some chat box or something right now. You, you've probably got a link to the outline, or maybe you have one of these things in your hand. I, I doubt it, but if you do, um, congratulations to you. Uh, it's somewhere, and you can find it. Uh, this is Galatians 1.23. Even if you don't have an outline, you've probably got a Bible somewhere. I'm going to read it to you. It should be at the top of your page or your PDF. He who was formerly persecuting us. That's the Apostle Paul. He who was formerly persecuting us is now announcing as the gospel the faith which formerly he ravaged. What's he announcing as the gospel? The faith which he formerly ravaged. Okay, I want you to write this down. I'm going to give you a definition for what the faith is, okay? We're not talking about faith. We're talking about the faith. Faith. I'm going to give you a definition of what we're talking about just to make sure we're working with the same terms here. And you know what I mean when I say the faith. The faith is, write this down, text it to yourself, put it in the chat box, do something with it. Take a picture of your friend who's writing it down. Do something to collect this. The faith is objective, essential truth that Christians believe for salvation. What is the faith? What is that? What do you mean by that? The faith is objective, essential truth that Christians believe for salvation. Why are you using those words, Chris? What do you mean by objective and essential? Objective meaning outside of you. A lot of times when it comes to truth in our day and age, we talk about truth being subjective. It's about my truth or what I feel is true. That may be true for you. It's not true for me. Okay, uh, so truth is subjective largely in our day and age. That's not, what, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about objective truth, meaning it doesn't depend on how you feel. It doesn't depend on how you see it. It's objective, essential truth, meaning it's not just true, it's essential for, for life. It's, it's at the core of what we need. It's essential. You, cannot, you can't do away with it. You can't dispense of it depending on your feeling or your mood. It's objective. It's essential. And we, we believe it for salvation. You know, 
if we were going to talk about oxygen and we were going to talk about subjective truth, you might say, well, you know, I mean, I never heard of oxygen growing up. And, you know, in my culture, in my upbringing, I never heard that word before. I don't know that that exists. Maybe that's true for you. Oxygen is true and real for you. But, but I never heard of that. I wasn't raised like that. I don't believe that. It's not true for me. Well, you may never have heard of oxygen, but you are breathing it. If you're alive and well right now, regardless of whether you've heard about it, regardless of whether you like it, regardless of how you feel about it, it is true. And for life, for physical existence, you're breathing oxygen right now. At least, I, I mean, I hope you are, okay? And so also with the faith. It's objective and it's essential and we must believe it for salvation, for here and for the life hereafter. Okay, so that's the first point about the faith, what it is. And secondly, you need to know this about the faith. You need to know how it is communicated to us. The faith is communicated to us in a story. The faith is embedded in the story of the scriptures. You know, when we talk about the faith, we're thinking about items of truth, statements, things that you can put down on, on a piece of paper. But when we read the Bible, actually how the points, objective, essential points of truth are communicated to us, they're communicated to us embedded in a story. That's how they come to us, embedded in the story of the scriptures and especially in the New Testament. I want to ask you a question, why did God tell us a story? You ever thought about that? Why did God tell us a story? If the faith, if those are the essential truths that we need to believe for salvation, why did he give us a book instead of just a one-pager with a few kind of isolated points that we can sign off on and check and sign our name to, like, like you have on your sheet? You're going to have some, some itemized points that are essential truths that we need to believe for salvation. Why did God give us a story instead of just a one-pager? You ever thought about that? Why did God give us a story? Story is essential to how we as human beings think and function and live and understand. We are storified beings. We're wired as human beings to understand things in terms of story. It's how we make sense of things. It's how we understand the world. The average human being spends, get this, the average human being spends 30% of their day daydreaming. The average human being spends 30% of the day daydreaming and all your professors and anybody who's a boss over employees, they just like got flabbergasted right now because they can't stand the thought of their employees or their students daydreaming for a third of the class or for a third of the working day. But it is true. When we're not engaged in a story, we largely spend time telling ourselves a story by daydreaming. And have you ever noticed this? You might be in a class or in a message like this, and you might be not paying attention whatsoever and thinking about anything and everything else. And then as soon as the speaker starts telling a story, you pay attention. Wherever you were, you just got sucked back in. Why is that? It's because we're wired as human beings to engage things and understand things via story. Even one scientist I read, he said human beings are they're a storytelling animal. 
Now, don't take that too far. I mean, we are mammals, but I don't think we're animals. You know what I'm saying? Human beings are above animals. But the point is that storytelling, stories, they're, they're fundamental to our existence. Every culture, every culture, every business, every organization, their most valued truths and principles, they pass down, how? Via the stories they regularly tell. Any culture, any business, any organization, they pass down their most valued truths and principles through the stories that they tell. And those stories actually do a better job communicating those values and truths and principles better than merely listing them on a page. The story is the medium. And inside these stories, there's, there's embedded truths, embedded principles that become a framework they become a lens by which we see and understand the world. C.S. Lewis, he said this. He's a famous theologian and apologist in the past century. C.S. Lewis said this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. I say again, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. The gospel is not just a story. The gospel is the story. The gospel is not just a story. The gospel is the story. The gospel is the meta-narrative of all time. The gospel is the meta-narrative. It is the story that is happening and, and is transpiring. It's the meta-narrative of all time, and it leads to human flourishing of every kind. That's what the gospel is. The faith embedded within the story of the gospel, it's not just something that we see and that we believe it's actually a story, a framework by which we can truly actually understand all things. It is the story. And embedded within that story is objective, essential truths that we believe for salvation. Everything else that's happened in human history, every event, every philosophy, every worldview, every person, place, or thing, at best, at best, they are a subplot that contributes to the whole, that contributes to the greater narrative at best. Everything, every person, every place, every happening, at best, they're a subplot that under God's sovereignty contributes to the greater narrative. But here's the problem, and here's where the stakes come in. This is why this semester is important to you. And I hope you hear this. I hope it hits you like a ton of bricks. The problem, the stakes that are at play here is that we are constantly being evangelized with rival stories. We're constantly being evangelized with rival stories. And in those stories, there are embedded damning untrue, false truths. There are unhelpful, untrue, false, quote, quote, truths that do not lead men to salvation. In fact, they lead men to destruction. That, that's the problem 
that we have all the time. There's a barrage of, of stories that we're being evangelized with and they sound good and they feel good, but hidden deep underneath them and within them, there are unhelpful, false claims that lead men to destruction. That's why we need to know the genuine article. That's why we need to know the gospel. In the story of the gospel, there are objective, essential truths that we believe for salvation that lead to human flourishing of every kind. And what I want for you, I want you to live with the grain of God's design. That's what I want. I want your story to fit in the story. That's what I want for you. I want you to live a life of meaning and significance that God Almighty appraises when you stand before the face of Jesus. I want him to say, your story fit in my story. What is it? Why is it important? What do we do about it? If somebody were to walk up to you on campus and just immediately, split second, they would say, what do you believe as a Christian? What would you say? Think about it. Think, think about actually walking on campus. I know that's, you know, new thought. You're actually there. You're physically there. People are unmasked and it's safe. They just walk up to you. Hey, I heard you're a Christian. What do you believe? What would you say? It's funny, even being a Christian for years and decades, sometimes that can actually, that just basic, easy question can actually be pretty difficult to, to explain, to answer. What would you believe? What do you believe? There are essential truths here, and, and they're basic. When I tell you what they are, when you look down on your page, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, well, of course. But the deal is, is sometimes it's hard to articulate them. I can tell you this right now. If you do the summer internship, you're going to be able to articulate these. It's one of the best things about the internship. You come away from it comfortably, confidently being able to explain what you believe. One time, I was on campus, and we were doing some kind of event, and... Uh, there was like this new student who kind of walked up and he was, you know, he was kind of, you know, so, uh, so what, what do y'all believe? And, you know, I kind of knew what he was doing, you know, and a lot of times the people that are really questioning you, they're actually other Christians, you know, so I kind of knew what he was doing. I just, you know, I just kind of rolled off there a little bit. Well, you know, we believe the Bible is the word of God. We believe God is one in three. He's triune, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we believe God became a man named Jesus. And he, he died for our sins. He resurrected on the third day and ascended to be Lord of all. And, and he's coming again soon. And when we, when we repent and believe in him, we're born again and become a member of the body of Christ. What do you believe? And he said, oh, uh, <clears throat> uh, I mean, basically what you said, you know. <laughs> you know, it's a kind of a hard thing, you know, to... Okay, well, here's the deal. If you know the story, you know the points. If you know the story, you know the points. If you look down at these points, basically what they are, they're the wire diagram. If you've got a C-sock um, bracelet, you can look down there. Basically what you've got are the objective, essential truths that we need to believe for salvation. What are they? It's that the Bible is the complete divine revelation inspired word by word by God through the Holy Spirit. It's that God is one in three, Father, Son, and Spirit. It's that He became a man named Jesus. 
And he died on the cross for our sins. They're all right here on your page. And there's, there's verse references. What I want you to do, I hope you take this and you go and you look up those verses and you get them into you. If you see it in God's word for yourself, you're going to appreciate this so much more. And then what I hope you do is I hope you learn to comfortably, confidently speak it to other people. The Bible, trying God, the person and work of Christ, His imminent return, how we receive salvation through repentance and, and faith. I hope you get these points. Why is that important? Why are these points right here important? I mean, why are these points important? Jude 3. Hope you read this verse. I'm going to read it to you. You read along while I read it to you. Beloved, while using all diligence to write to you concerning our common salvation, circle that, highlight it, text it to yourself, do something with it, our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you and exhort to you to earnestly contend for the faith. Contend for the faith. Underline that. Contend for the faith. Once for all, delivered to the saints. What Jude wanted to do, he wanted to write to them concerning our common salvation, concerning our experience of salvation. But, but what? He found it necessary to write to them to, to contend for the faith. What's that? It's the truths, the objective essential truths that we believe to experience salvation. He wanted to write to them about our common salvation, but he found it necessary to write to them, actually, you guys, hey, you need to contend for the faith, those points, those truths embedded in the story that we believe for salvation. Why? Why is the faith important? It's because those points of truth we believe for salvation. Why else? Ephesians 4.13, I'll read it to you. Until we all arrive, say that, we all arrive. No, you're all on mute right now. That's okay. Stay muted. Until we all arrive at what? The oneness of the faith. Oneness of the faith. Now, underline oneness of the faith. And we all arrive. I, you know, if you talk to many Christians, what you'll find out is that we're all pretty different. You know, I mean, we look different, uh, different colors of skin, uh, different clothes, uh, different places, different, bur you know, I mean, we're, we're from, we're different and, and we believe different things. You know, and Ty is behind the camera here. You know, Ty and I, we don't necessarily even like the same kind of music. I mean, Ty and I, you know, we're like basically the same person, really, you know. I mean, we're pretty alike, really. But, you know, we don't necessarily look alike. We may not listen to the same music. You know, if I really start asking him questions, he might, he might believe that the Lord's return is going to look a little different than I do. You know what I'm saying? Or, I mean, the, the list is endless. We're all different. And we don't all agree exactly on every, uh, every detail. That's just what it is. There was a, one time when I was in college, I had this friend who had a brother. Anyway, me and my friend, we would, you know, we would fellowship all the time. And, but his brother was like a little combative, you know. I mean, he was a Christian. 
you know, but, but the things that I was putting out there, he wasn't really liking, you know what I'm saying? He just, he just, he saw it a little differently than I did. He said, okay, I'm going to come down there. I want you to just, I want you to just teach me everything that you know, everything that you're teaching. I just, I, I want to, you just lay it out there for me. So he came down. We had hours of fellowship. <laughs> I mean, hours. I'm just laying it out there, you know, with verse and verse and verse and this and that and show me this. Well, what do you think of that? And Okay, I mean, at the end of it, basically, we got nowhere, okay? I mean, he was just like, man, I mean, I hear you, but I don't agree. You know, that's kind of where it ended up, okay? But one thing that he did appreciate, I started the whole conversation with this right here, the faith. I told him, there's going to be a lot of things that we disagree on. We don't see eye to eye on. But one thing for sure we can't agree on is that the Bible is God's word, and that God is three in one. He's Father, Son, and Spirit. And that God became a man named Jesus. And He died for us. And He resurrected from the dead. And He's seated. He's ascended at the right hand of the Father. And He's coming again. And we, we must believe into Him for salvation. We can agree on that. We went through all the verses. And you know, at the end of it, the end of the whole thing, he's like, yeah, you know, I basically I just didn't agree, but, but I really like that first part where you talked about the faith. You know, that was really, really good. That's what we can be one about is the faith, the core essential truths we must believe for salvation. And music style, sorry. We're just, we're never going to be there. And if you're thinking like, well, yeah, we are never going to be there, but when everybody kind of matures to my level, when they kind of get on my level, then they will like the music style I like. Yes, yeah, sorry. You're done with the oneness. You're done with the oneness, if that's what you think. Or, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's, it's Bible version. Yeah, no, we, you know, I, you know, my translation is the best. And, and you know, I, I know hey, all the translations are good, you know. I mean, I guess I'm not reading Koine Greek. It is English, and it is a translation. But my translation is the best. And when they kind of get on my level, they'll, they'll, you know, I just kind of accept them where they are for now. Sorry, you're done with the oneness. The Bible is God's word, but what translation you prefer, you know, the way you dress, et cetera, et cetera. If we want the oneness, we need to arrive at the oneness of the faith, not the oneness of Chris, where everybody's just like me and talks like me. And anyway, you get what I'm saying. Why is it important? For our salvation and for the oneness that God desires. Now, what to do? What do you do with the faith? What do you do with all the points that we're getting into right here? I'm not going to ask Ty how long I've been talking right now because I don't want to know. I'm just going to keep going. What do we do with it? What do you do with it? Now that you got it, what do you do with it? I hope you're affected by it. What do you do with it? Be affected by it. Have you ever wondered where does faith come from? Not the faith. The faith, that's objective, essential truths that we need to believe, but, but subjective faith. Faith meaning, meaning trust that you can place in God, in His Word. Do, have you ever wondered where does faith come from? Like, you know, sometimes you hear, well, you just got to have faith. And you might respond, well, I don't. So, <laughs> well, where do I get it? Have you ever wondered that? Romans 10, 17. So faith comes out of hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes out of hearing 
and hearing through the word of Christ. What does that mean? That means the more you're under the hearing of faith. That means the more that you hear the story, the more you read it, the more you listen to it, the more you talk with people who are enjoying it, what happens is something in you begins to change. You get affected by it. You're changed because of it. The more you hear the faith, the more you find faith within. Faith comes through hearing. Hearing through the word of Christ. Are you struggling in your Christian life, in your spiritual life? I assume if you're watching this video, you are a Christian or you're very interested in becoming one. Are you struggling? How much are you availing yourself to the hearing of faith? How much are you opening yourself, allowing yourself to hear the faith? Are you reading God's word? How much? How often are you listening to messages like this? Hopefully better messages than this one. But are you listening to messages like this? Are you spending time with people who are full of faith? How much are you availing yourself to the hearing of faith? There's a story of a, there's this Christian organization that was famous for sending out missionaries and to, to hard places, hard places to take the gospel, illegal places to take the gospel. There's a Christian organization, they're famous for that. They'd have people come and, and interview, and want to serve with this organization and the director, you know, he would interview them. He always had one question at the end. You know, no matter their, their resume, where they're coming from, what they've done, they'd always have one question at the end. When was the last time you wept over the blood of Christ? When was the last time you wept over the blood of Christ? Now think about, think about if you just got your seminary degree, you just got your Ph.D. in theology, you're full of experience, you headed up different Christian ministries and what, 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 and you come and you interview, you want to serve with this missionary organization, and at the end you get asked this question, when was the last time you wept over the blood of Christ? You know why that's important? If you're not affected by the faith, if you're not affected by the story, you'll never be able to truly, properly announce the story. If you're not affected, if you're not affected by the story, by the faith, the truth embedded in the story, you'll never be able to truly, properly announce the story. And remember, that's what, that's what the Apostle Paul was doing in Galatians 1. Look at this verse again, Galatians 1.23. He who was formerly persecuting us. This is what was being said about Paul. He who was formerly persecuting us, that, that zealous, um, accomplished, ambitious man who was driven, and he who was formerly persecuting us, he's now announcing as the gospel, the faith which he formerly ravaged. Paul was going one way full of accomplishment, great resume, full of zeal, full of ambition. 
and Almighty God shined on him. He was headed one way. Then God, he didn't answer all his questions. Instead, he just, he just shined the glory of God on him and he revealed himself to Paul. Now imagine all his questions melted away. He responded, he said two things. Who are you, Lord? I know who you are. I thought I knew the God of my ancestors. I thought I knew the right way. I was convinced. I was ambitious. I was headed one way down this road of the story I knew. And then you invaded and you shined your light. And I don't know. I don't know about what I thought I knew. But I know one thing. You are Lord who are you? Who are you? I want to know you. Who are you, Lord? Number two, what shall this man do? I know, I know one thing, you're Lord. And I want to know who you are, and I want to know what I'm supposed to do. I'm your servant. Paul's story became a part of the story. He went from doing one thing to getting shined on by God and being affected by the faith embedded in the story of the gospel. The light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And from there on forward, his story became a part of the story. What should we do with the faith? We should be affected by it so that we can announce it so that we can live it. I don't know if you've seen these stickers around Austin. <laughs> They've got these big white stickers. they got black text on them and say, live a great story. If you go down, I mean, you'll see them everywhere. You know, sometimes they're huge, sometimes they're small. I love those stickers. And what I'd love to do is take a big red marker and, and put a big X on A. And then I'd, write, I'd like to write V instead. Don't live a great story. Live the great story. I don't know if you know this, but you know there's a lot of deleted scenes that don't make it into movies. If you've ever seen something, a show or a movie or something that you liked, and a lot of times you go to the extras and you'll see there's a bunch of things that got cut out. And if you're really into it, you'll go and you'll watch all those deleted scenes. And a lot of times you'll wonder, like, man, why didn't that make it in there? That was really cool or funny or I liked watching that. When a director is cutting things for the final show, whatever does not contribute to the overall narrative it gets cut, it gets deleted, and it gets left on the cutting room floor. If it does, no matter how great it is, how funny it is, how awesome it was, how much it cost, if it does not contribute to the greater overall narrative of the movie, it gets cut and left deleted on the floor. That's what happens. And you know what? I don't want that to be your life. There's one thing going on in this universe. It is the story of the gospel. Jesus has come. And he will come again. And he'll bring his kingdom here to the earth. I don't want you to live a great story. I want you to live the great story. I want your story to become a part of his story. 
I got another story I could tell you, but I think we're probably about out of time. Uh, I think what I should do is, uh, is just pray for you. How about that? We'll pray, and then you guys can go to your groups and fellowship and do whatever after that. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for the faith embedded in the story of the New Testament. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for coming to us. Thank you for not leaving us in our sin, in our sickness, in our darkness. Thank you for loving us enough to come and die for us. Thank you for reconciling us to yourself. Jesus, you're Lord, and we want to take this good news to the whole world. Bless us, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us. We need you, Jesus. Amen.